Hello, Dr. Hughes here again. I'm going to continue on with trauma and go further into the cultural aspect of how we're to assess for trauma and the different ideas that regard um, understanding a person's culture and how it relates to uh, the disorder, the category of disorders in the DSM-5, uh, trauma and stressor-related disorders and right today I'm going to go into a special section on where to begin the diagnostic assessment from a cultural perspective and this isn't something that's just suggested it's something that is necessary to do um, to provide the best diagnosis the most accurate and to formulate an effective treatment plan with the client so, in beginning the diagnostic assessment, the cultural considerations are to initiate this process. The process consists of examining and seeking to understand the role of culture in trauma and stressor-related disorders. And from this point on, I'm going to refer to uh, stressor, uh, trauma and stressor-related disorder as TSR. So, culture... When we're talking about culture, we're talking about this ethnic group identity, religion, and spirituality, immigration status, uh, generational, um, like what generation are you here, generation from a nationality, um, identity, uh, social identity, uh, sexual, and gender. And this is just one description of culture that's in a textbook called DSM-5 In Action. And the author is a S S F Sophia F. Dezeel Glowiski. So, however, I'm going to go into a little bit more of how culture is defined, especially according to the actual DSM-5. And I'll get into that at a later segment of this uh, session. So, when we're doing this and having an understanding of uh, the culture of our client... This helps us to establish culturally sanctioned behaviors that appear to be different from behaviors in the Western or Eurocentric American culture, which are usually considered as the standard. Um, and that's, yes, it's arguable. Um, in the particular uh, textbook, um, dominant is actually described as opposed to Western slash Eurocentric American. That's what I put in there. Um, I did not feel comfortable putting in dominant culture, and I'll explain a little bit in the upcoming um, ideas here that I have outlined. So it's definitely deserve attention relative to the question of who is the dominant culture? Uh, is this a universal culture? What is it? So the consideration um, lends to the increase in um, outlining the experience of TSR or better yet how a problem or a person interprets the problem if they're to be diagnosed with either of the disorders in TSR. So recognized in psychology and counseling are now the respect for the incidence of historical trauma, which is very interesting, but yes, it is there. And people are not really realizing, um, as far as the people, maybe the, the critics of the DSM-5 as it relates to the limitation of culture being highlighted or identified in the reference book itself, but it is in there. I don't know if people are teaching it, though, and that might be the problem. So for myself as a counselor educator, 
I do home in on this area very uh, specifically and with intention. So this respect for the incidence of historical trauma suffered by, quote, minority populations. Um, here, the use of minority um, is really to refer to groups differentiated from dominant, um, both being cultural groups, though. So I don't know. The term majority isn't used, and I'm wondering why. And that's just something almost rhetorically asking, though. If we're using mon minority, why don't we use majority? Instead, lots of people, uh, scholars in psychology and counseling, and maybe even other disciplines, use dominant as opposed to uh, majority. Because in actuality, then a dominant culture is not characteristic of a majority culture group. So that's the reason why. However, yet a dominant more dominant one due to uh, the way we're socialized to think or perceive of this dominant group, i.e. white or Euro um, Americans or Caucasian. The first and the latter have been described and discussed throughout literature, so that's something that you definitely can further go into on your own, hopefully that you will, so that you can have some informed insight in that to formulate your own uh, ideas and perspectives. So, we kind of want to go into this as a source for you to look into. So there's a book titled The Racial Healing Book. I don't have it right next to me, but I'll definitely get the author of that because it's something um, in that book the authors discuss um, discuss where even the uh, word or the characteristic or the classification Caucasian came from. And that's uh, definitely deserving some, some further attention from you. So back into the idea of the beginning of this diagnostic assessment via cultural consideration. So um, when we're talking about that historical trauma is really based on reliving the experiences of our ancestors, such as colonialism, slavery, war, mass imperialism, and that international. And that's uh, according to Der Derizotis 2014. And that's an article, um, a book to definitely uh, delve deeper into as an explanation of why we are now in the fields or the disciplines of psychology and counseling respecting the incidences of historical trauma suffered by a number of American cultures here and international, but we're usually talking here from a Western perspective. So moving further along, working within our cultural proficiency, and I use proficiency as opposed to competency because I don't think we ever um, get to a level of just being competent, but it's this lifelong journey that we're trying to work within. So I'd rather use the proficiency, and that's something that I did not come with on my own, but uh, Dr. Thomas Parham has a uh, training that was recorded that talks about uh, competency and working in the uh, psychological realm of assessing and diagnosing uh, people of color. So again, working within our cultural proficiency is to gather this subjective and objective information. And one tool that's available that the DSM-5 actually talks about as well, also the textbook that I'm referring to, um, it's the Cultural Formulation Interview, the CFI. It's an instrument that uh, allows a clear evaluation of a person um, so that we can make a better approach and respond to their their problems, uh, taking into account cultural um, cultural influences. And so, at that this point, I'd like to kind of now uh, turn to our DSM five 
to talk about that cultural formulation. And this is literally in the reference book in section three, starting on page 749. You have some understanding of what the cultural formulation is, but as a backdrop, it starts off with understanding culture. And so in order to do that, the DSM-5 outlines a description and definition of culture, race, ethnicity, and then goes into what those categories are for the cultural formulation um, in terms of the assessment. Um, just really quickly, the cultural formulation interview is a, a set of 16 questions that is uh, outlined according to um, I don't know, this, this call for systematic assessment, and there's these following categories that uh, I'll describe in a few minutes, but the categories I think are, are pertinent right now just for me to name, and uh, the first is cultural identity of the individual, and then there's cultural conceptualizations of distress, and then there's psychosocial stressors and cultural features of vulnerability and resilience, and another is uh, cultural features of the relationship between the individual and the clinician. And last but not least, there's the overall cultural assessment. And those are the categories that make up the cultural formulation. So I'd like to start describing and defining culture according to what is outlined in the DSM-5. So let's start with culture. Culture and the DSM-5. What is that? And how is it uh, described, defined, and so forth. So, culture refers to a system of knowledge, concepts, rules, and practices that are learned and transmitted across generations. Culture includes language, religion, and spirituality, family structures, life cycle stages, ceremonial rituals, and customs, as well as more moral and legal systems. Very interesting, that latter half of that description and uh, definition of culture, and we'll, we'll uh, go into a little bit further when I talk about the new ICD-9 and 10 that can be definitely documented on our uh, psychological reports. Moving further along, cultures are open dynamic systems that undergo continuous change over time. In the contemporary world, most individuals and groups are exposed to multiple cultures, um, which they use to fashion their own identities and make sense of experience. These features of culture make it crucial um, and and really kind of critical. The book says crucial, but I'm thinking more critical even not to overgeneralize cultural for information or stereotype groups in terms of fixed cultural traits. Mm -hmm. Next is the idea of a race that's outlined and described and defined in the DSM-5 in the section of cultural formulation here. Race is a culturally constructed category of identity that divides humanity into groups based on a variety of superficial physical traits attributed to some hypothetical intrinsic biological characteristics. Now, I am really looking at the idea of this culturally constructed. In most textbooks on culture, what I'll see in an example of Sue and Sue um, is that this race idea or concept is usually socially constructed. Here they have culturally constructed. However, 
moving right along into this um, description or definition of race, the construct of race has no consistent biological definition, but it is socially important because it supports racial ideologies, racism, discrimination, and social exclusion, which can have strong negative effects on mental health. There is evidence that racism can exacerbate many psychiatric disorders, contributing to poor outcome, and that racial biases can affect diagnostic assessment. Yes, this is what is described in the DSM-5, and I did a quote-unquote there for what's um, going on for the cultural formulation and what clinicians need to take into account and in how to be culturally uh, proficient to work towards their level of cultural competency. Let's move into what ethnicity is. Ethnicity is a culturally constructed group identity used to define peoples and communities. It may be rooted in a common history geography, which religion, or other shared characteristics of a group, which distinguish that group from others. Ethnicity may be self-assigned or attributed to by outsiders. So putting that all together, the culture, uh, idea, race, and ethnicity, where the DSM describes culture, race, and ethnicity are related to economic inequities, racism, and discrimination that result in health disparities. Culture, ethnic, and racial identities can be a source of strength and help groups support that enhance resilience, but they may also lead to psychological, interpersonal, and intergenerational conflict or difficulties in adaptation that require diagnostic assessment. And the latter part of what I just described is very important because lots of um, maybe people in the discipline when it comes to the social sciences might argue this, but it's definitely something that's been in the scholarship, research, uh, peer-reviewed literature in our discipline. So it's helpful as myself as a college uh, professor teaching in a clinical mental health program uh, that we address this and teach this because it's not just a social justice or a multicultural or diversity and inclusion uh, mission, but it's something that we should be doing regularly before now and continuously. What may be helpful in completing the cultural formulation and having some different ideas for TSR uh, and remember TSR being the uh, trauma and stressor-related disorders, which is a new category in the DSM-5, you might want to turn to the uh, beginning of the DSM-5 where there's still the Roman numerals, but on uh, thir page 34, but written in the Roman numeral, there's a DSM-5 set of classifications for the entire book. Um, you have other conditions that may be um, a focus of clinical attention, and there's a set of relational problems, abuse and neglect, adult maltreatment and neglect problems, and that's differentiated from children. You also have educational and occupational problems, housing and economic problems. Economic problems um, definitely is a, a highlight. And with these, um, as I'm naming them, uh, 
they are codes that you can use for your diagnoses as well that are probably comorbid with the uh, actual disorders that you're um, identifying for the person and the problems that they are presenting. Sometimes these codes might even be standalone if a person presents with more um, issues related to social, environmental, or just overall well-being. Uh, for instance, in the economic problems, they're the V code. These V codes are really broken down into the ICD-9 and 10. So you have them both there. The ICD-9 is the actual V code, and then you have your ICD-10, which is outlined in uh, parentheses starting with a Z. Um, so giving you an example of what those economic problems are, um, you could have a lack of adequate food or safe drinking water. Yes, that's literally something that you can document as a code on your psychological reporting. So that particular one is V60.2 or Z59.4. The next one is extreme poverty, which is V60.2 or Z59.5. You also have low income, which is V60.2 again. However, you have Z59.6. Then you have insufficient social insurance or welfare support, um, which is Z59.7. And the latter of this small category here of economic problems is unspecified housing or economic problem, which is Z59.9. Other codes that are important that sometimes relate to culture are other problems related to the social environment. And within those are codings for the following. Phase of life problem, problem related to living alone, acculturation difficulty, social exclusion or rejection, target of adverse discrimination or persecution, and yes, that can also be perceived and the latter is unspecified problem related to the social environment. And each one of those also has codes. Um, real quickly, I'll just go ahead and name them just in case if you're taking notes. So starting with the phase of life problem. That's uh, V62.89 or Z60.0. The problem related to living alone is V60.3 or Z60.2. The acculturation difficulty is V62.4 or Z.3. The uh, social exclusion or rejection is V62.4 and uh, or Z60.4. The target of adverse discrimination or persecution, which also again can be perceived, that code is V62.4 or Z60.5. And the last in this uh, section, what we're calling uh, other problems related to the social environment, the last um, code is unspecified problem related to the social environment is V62.9 or Z60.9. Six zero point nine. So the next area um, of uh, problems that are definitely deserving of clinical attention that you can document in your psychological reporting are problems related to crime or interaction with the legal system. 
then you also have problems related to other psychosocial, personal, and environmental circumstances. Um, I have a few highlighted. Um, hold on, I skipped one. There's also other health service encounters for counseling or medical advice. And that's really important because you do have some issues um, that you can uh, diagnose there as well as far as additive to maybe a mental illness that would be, I guess, lead to somewhat of a comorbidity with uh, social issues. So the ones that I have highlighted kind of revolve around the maybe social justice or other aspect of uh, culture. So there's the victim of a crime. That's V62.89 or Z65.4. And that's a problem related to crime or interaction with the legal system. Um, the second one in that category is conviction in civil or criminal proceedings without imprisonment. That's V62.5 or Z65.0. There's problems related to the release from prison, which is V62.5 or Z65.2. And there's also other legal um, circumstances. So, um, moving further along, there's also religious or spiritual problems, which is documented as V62.89 or Z65.8. Um, there's also victim of terrorism or torture, V62.89 or Z65.4. And then there's exposure to disaster, war, or other hostilities. Recognize what that other hostilities is and read that out with an interpretation from the client who will definitely have to give you information on um, what that means to them. Um, and that coding is V62.22 or Z65.5. And to wrap this small segment up, there's problems related to access to medical and other health care. Uh, these codes are very important, and they are as follows. Unavailability or inaccessibility of health care facilities, which is noted as V63.9 or Z75.3. And then there's unavailability or inaccessibility of other helping agencies, and that definitely can be um, mental health care uh, practice. Um, mental health care as far as maybe a clinic private practice anything something is just not available mental health care is not available in the community whatsoever and that's actually something i'm working on right now in uh in new jersey in somerset county to um definitely have a a, a non-profit it's called hughes integrative wellness so definitely stay tuned for more information on that and it will be located in Franklin Township, hopefully, or possibly just some other county that allows me to um, have this space with an affordable price. So moving right along, that was a shameless plug, yes. So there's the non-adherence to medical treatment, and we do know that for a lot of our clients, especially with maybe new diagnoses or ones that have been long-standing and are more chronic, where there's a, a higher level of chronicity um, to it, but there's the um, 
not adherence to medical treatment, which is V15.81 or Z91.19. There's also overweight or obesity, and we're not talking about that in terms of it being a mental illness, but something that is deserving of clinical attention and focus. That code is 278.00 or E66.9, and definitely notice the change uh, or variability from the other codes that I've just talked about because of the physiological nature of that. Then there's malingering, there's wandering associated with a mental disorder, or an even borderline intellectual functioning. And this concludes my DSM-5 in action where we're talking about the diagnostic assessment where it is needed to start with a cultural formulation. Thank you and have a great day. Hopefully uh, you stay tuned, listen, and take a view and listen of the previous podcast sessions that I've had. I hope to um, maybe hear from you as far as feedback. I can be reached at cesd.biz. That's my website, and that's Counselor Education, Supervision, and Development, where I hold uh, trainings for NBCC credit, INM approved um, CE provider, licensed practitioner, and approved clinical supervisor. And thank you, and have a great day. Again, bye.